Hello and welcome to The Age Stage, a program that looks at issues and matters affecting older Australians made possible by Aftercare Australasia. I'm Paula Dunn and joining me today is Brendan Telfer. Welcome, Brendan. Hey, thank you very much indeed. Yes, Paula, back in uh, the hot seat with you again today and a really interesting week as well, isn't it? We've heard the terms of reference of the Royal Commission and I know our next guest, uh, Warren Haynes from Aftercare Australasia, very keen to get stuck into that one. Uh, and certainly it's uh, the big topic has been here at the age stage for the last few weeks and continues to be so. Mm. But an interesting program today. It is a very interesting program. We have uh, Dr. Raina Organ on the program as well as uh, Jeanette Lane, well-known and celebrated advocate of older Australians. And uh, first, our regular uh, visitor, Warren Haynes from Aftercare Australasia. Welcome, Warren. G'day, Paula. How's Happy your week be been? Yeah, look, it's been busy as yeah, always. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like that around here too. So we're going to talk about a few things that we think that um, people, you know, should be addressing in this Royal Commission. Um, and, and the first of those things is hours of care, Warren. So like how many hours um, do people actually get cared for in a nursing home as opposed to in home? Yeah, well, again, as always, when you start sort of digging into these uh, these statistics, these figures, mm. it's often quite surprising what yes, comes out. Yes, I find out. it fascinating, mm. statistics. So you'd sort of assume that if you were paying this uh, quite substantial amount of money up front as a you know refundable deposit to mm. go into a nursing home and, uh, you know, you've got roof over your head you've supposedly got staff available um 24 hours a day mm-hmm. you'd be thinking that you'd be surely that's got to be offering substantially better support um than you'd get if you stayed at home yes and and in actual fact when you compare the figures it's not the case at all um there's uh some statistics from uh 2016 uh saying that uh, nursing home residents in australia generally get uh about 2.8 hours of care a day Wow. Even even in the nursing home. So that's an average number. Yeah. So there would be some care providers, I'm sure, that would say, but Warren, that's not us. We, yeah. We give uh, 24-7 care. I mean, you know, and there would be others that would probably would be hard hard to justify that number. Yeah. And, and look, whilst I'm, you're quite right, Brendan, it, it, is a, it is an average figure. But I think if you... <laughs> what I would say in response to that is, well, some of the uh, aged care homes that were um, specifically referenced in the ABC um, Who Cares program were these aged care homes where people were paying substantial amounts of money. Mm. They were mm. premium, you know, at the premium end of things. And it was quite clear that their residents were waiting substantial amounts of time mm. to receive care. So there was the lady who was you know, waiting 20 minutes when she was crawling around on the floor, waiting for someone to even come and see how she was. And this is the extraordinary situation, isn't it, where we have sort of this expectation, I suppose, when people are in the workplace or in out there providing a service. And if you don't do your due diligence, you're going to get shocked. I mean, a 2.8 number is not uh, particularly healthy when you would probably assume that you'd have 24-7 care. Yes, meant, out know? of 24 hours, that it is would, not would a lot. It surprise you, wouldn't it? Yes, yes. It's and a you, surprising number. Well, and again, you've, you've sort of got to look at your value for money there because, um, uh, you know, what, something we were talking about off air was uh, I, I managed to uh, come across this uh, report that talked about... Now, bear in mind, this is the top 10 
um, most expensive deposits that you might have to make in, uh, in residential care uh, in Victoria. But bear in mind also these figures are two years old and you're talking at the lowest range of the top 10, it was $1.2 million. Lowest range, top 10, yep. lowest yep. range. Up front. 1.2. Yep. And at the top end it was one8 Million. Deposit. Yes. Deposit. Yes. So the deposit is securing me my place. That's um, the bond. Yes. Yeah, what they yes. would term a bond. Yes, it, it's what used to be referred to so as, as a bond. bond. Yeah. 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 That's right. And yeah. they will hold that while you are using their facilities yeah. and, and ultimately will then be handed over to your trustee should you pass on or not. Uh... You, you get some of it back. You, you get a substantial proportion of it, but not all of it. So we would hope to think that there's more than 2.8 hours of care given to somebody who has deposited that amount of money. Yeah, you, yeah. you'd like to think that. We, yeah, we absolutely mm. would. Certainly when I ran those numbers against what, uh, for instance, aftercare would provide um, for a level four home care package, and mm -hmm. that's, so just to get into the details of that, so apologies mm. for the technicalities, but that's without, um, you know, perhaps someone who's receiving the additional dementia supplement or, mm -hmm. um, you know, an oxygen supplement. Mm -hmm. uh, so just that basic level four. Uh, we would be looking at, at providing about 2.8, 2.9 hours of support a day in without home. any upfront deposit. Mm -hmm. You're living in your own home and you're still actually getting an equivalent amount of support, you know, face-to-face -face support mm. as you would if you were in a nursing home. So it speaks to them. So it speaks to the models then, doesn't it, in terms of what we're doing in this particular area? And surely then you would probably be suggesting that your model is much more efficient and probably much more effective in terms of its dollar value to us and probably its emotional value to us in terms of being able to live in and secure our own environment, our own home, our own house. Mm. And your own community. I, I can't emphasise that enough. You know, this is one of the things that happens. People, people move into uh, residential aged care, um, you know, hoping that they're going to form a new community in there. But... And sometimes that does happen. Sometimes that's quite successful. Mm. But it's it's a bit of the luck of the draw as to you know, whether you find similar interests and hobbies, um, things in common with the other residents in that particular home. Mm. But and you mm. may not. But then again, Warren, um, I think next week we're going to be visited by a group who are coming up from Mount Martha here. are going to spend a day having a look around the radio station or half an hour with us at least. Um, and they were basically describing their lifestyle down there as resort living. They absolutely love it. So it is luck of the draw. It's the due diligence you do. What is it? Is it all the, the all of these? Or? I, I, I really just think in general it's a case of buyer beware. Um, there, there's an assumption that because these places are all government funded, uh, that therefore they're all offering the same standard of care. And I think that's what's come out most clearly from these recent, uh, you know, investigations is that it's often you could be paying a, a real premium price and not necessarily getting the value that you think. And then there are other providers out there that, that really are making that effort to build a community and, mm. and um, you know, give people an opportunity to meet one another and, and make those friendships. And those providers for. are probably jumping up and down listening to this, wanting to get in here and set the record straight, <laughs> yes, one, I would suggest. Yes. And by all means, if you want to come in here and set the record straight, we're, we're more than you. happy to have Absolutely. that discussion. And I'm sure you would as well, Warren. I would welcome the opportunity. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 very interesting. So in other words, as you say, buyer beware. You've got to be very, very careful before you make these sorts of commitments. And financially, that's a massive amount of money. Mm. Mm. And sometimes at at the age that 
you know, when we're ready to go into residential care, we're not sometimes, you know, cognitive of what we should and shouldn't be looking at, you know, so we rely on other people quite often to make that decision for us as well. Yeah, and, and, and look, again, I think people make this assumption that because it's government-funded, uh, that it's your, there's a sort of a base standard of care that you're going to get no matter mm. what. And, and this is what's now coming to light, is that that certainly doesn't hold true at all. And, and sometimes paying more doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting better service. Better service. Mm, yes. Um, so. I think that's probably the biggest wake-up call of that, I, the whole uh, I think Four for, Corners program is that yeah. you, know, you really do have to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that and how I, things are I run. think that yeah. that's where it catches out mm. our the older members of our community because mm. they quite reasonably would be looking at this situation and going, hang on a minute, I've paid taxes all my life. Yes. I've contributed to the community mm-hmm. all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is government funded, mm-hmm. so I should just be able to walk up and, and be able to pick whatever I think looks as though it's going to best suit me without having to do this major piece of financial research to nut out all of the implications. Mm. And even when you do do that, this is one of the other things that's been talked about is the, one of the reasons that we need this, um, this uh, Royal Commission, is that even when you do do that, some of the key information that you'd like to know about a place, as we talked about, we've mm-hmm. talked about previously, how many staff do you have? What's, mm. your, what's your staff to resident ratio? How many nursing staff do you you can't readily access that information. Mm. How, you know what's their history around uh, complaints and investigations. You can't access any of that. It's all commercial inconfidence. Well, I think the only way to go with that, sorry, Brendan, is to have some sort of a rating or information on on your website. You know, on on mm. a res, residential website. Well, with the terms of reference announced just in the last twenty four hours or so, I'm sure that we're going to be able to to look at a, a whole lot of things, and mm. hopefully, it's going to make our decisions and choices a lot easier going forward. And that's what the Government's Royal Commission is all about. Yep. And again, uh, we've been trying desperately to get Mr Ken White or the Honourable Ken White on the program for the last two or three weeks, yes, Paula. Yes, we have. And our apologies, we just have not been able to deliver him. But again, it's been another very busy week for him with his terms of reference coming out. Mm-hmm. But we do want to get him. We are going to get him on the program, I can assure you of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing as well I know that uh, interests you as well, Warren, is that once you do get into your facility or aged care centre, there's also the question and the way and the style and the manner with which you might be controlled or looked after once you mm. get in there. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, we're talking about this phrase, this terrifying yes. phrase, chemical restraint. Mm. Yes. Now, this is just an absolute sounds, frightener. Yes, sounds like one flew over the cuckoo. Doesn't, doesn't it? Yes, and, and look, Paul, I, I think, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what stories come out, but mm. I strongly suspect that it is going to be a little bit along that line. Mm. uh, Again, when you look at these situations where there don't seem to be enough staff at times to adequately support people, where the way in which they're being supported, rather than helping to calm the person and reassure them, it's actually aggravating and upsetting them, Mm. uh, then it's hardly surprising that this this, uh, use of what they call chemical restraint is widespread within residential aged care. And by way of contrast, I'd have to say, it's something that we virtually, certainly as far as aftercare is concerned, and this is 20 years' experience, 
um, we virtually don't see it. So how do you manage a difficult patient in these circumstances then? I mean, we've seen the footage on the four corners. Mm. We've seen some horrendous examples mm. of this so-called chemical restraint and rest- physical restraint. How do you at aftercare go about a difficult circumstance or situation like that? Well, it, it, the answer is surprisingly simple. A, it's making sure that you've got people that are well-trained. B, it's making sure that they've got plenty of time to actually do the task. Because one of the key things with someone who's, who's just for whatever reason isn't ready to do what they need to do next, which might be just as simple as, you know, I don't get want to have a and, shower. Yeah, have a mm. shower, get dressed. Mm. Um, but when they're not ready for it, Rule number one is don't rush the person because the more you try and rush them and put pressure on, it, it's virtually a guarantee that the person's going to get upset. And as we've talked about before, you don't need to have dementia to find being hurried along upsetting. Mm-hmm. I think most of us would say that that would be something we would find upsetting if someone's there to help us and, and the way that they're going about helping us is pressuring us to, to get on and meet their schedule rather than my schedule, you know, the pace mm. that I want to do things at, we're all going to get upset. So that's rule number one. And, and and the other thing that you look at is making sure that you actually understand the person. So what we do is we put together what they call a care team, uh, and that will be two or three workers who pretty much do the bulk of the support. Now, sometimes it's a couple more than that if it's a really large amount of support across the week. But what happens is, because we limit it to just this small number of people, over time they get to know the person and they can share information with, uh, with our uh, co- team of coordinators who are all qualified support uh, workers in their own right so they understand how to do the job and they'll piece that information together, spread it across the team so that everyone understands that this is the way that person likes to have things done. If you so- do it that way... People are happy to go along, by and large. So, Warren, what would happen if you, if your one of your team went to visit a, a client, an elderly person, and they were having, for whatever reason, uh, you know, a difficult day, and they needed to be, I don't like to say chemically restrained, but you know, sedated, let's say, in some way, shape, or form. What, what, what's the procedure there with your people? Would they? Well, contact the GP or... Yes, and look, here's, here's where the big difference comes in between how things have to be managed in home care and how they, maybe not have to be, but how they are managed often in residential care. Mm. We can't make that decision. Mm. Our, our care team, including me as the general manager of the mm. company, we can't make that decision that this person needs to have some sort of medication to yep. help them with their behaviour. Mm-hmm. We have to talk to the family, we have to talk to their person's legal representatives, we have to talk to the person themselves mm. and they then would go and see their trusted GP mm-hmm. who they hopefully, you know, is someone that they've had a long-term relationship with yep. and find the right medication and we then have to follow what that GP uh, prescribes. Yes. And it, there's quite a process around Yeah, and that, that could take some time, couldn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. by contrast, in residential care, they may well have one doctor that comes around once a week mm-hmm. um, who prescribes to all of the residents there and the staff will just go to them and say, these are the behaviours, these are the issues, this is what we think we need. And unfortunately, in a lot of those cases, the doctor will just take what they're saying on face value and go, oh, well, you know, potentially this is going to put their, their you know, stay at the aged care home at risk. Mm-hmm. I'll just prescribe this medication. Wow. And that, that might, they might never review that. Again, 
It, mm. The patient may not, not come back to them for review for an indefinite amount of That's time. That's scary. Well, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more yeah. of this as the Royal Commission now unfolds, those terms of reference being announced this week. Mm -hmm. Warren Haynes, thank you very much indeed from Aftercare Australasia for joining us again today. We appreciate your time and your effort and all power to you and your team as well. It sounds like you're doing a fantastic job looking after those a little less fortunate than us. We thank you. This is RPPFM. This is The Age Stage. We're coming to you live from our Mornington studios down here in 91 Wilsons Road out of the Bendigo Bank studio. Great to have your company today. When we come back, Bolton Clark Research Institute is looking for older Mornington Peninsula women to help design services that will support older women living alone across the region. Sounds interesting. It Paul. does. Very interesting. We'll be back after this break. We will. So welcome back to The Age Stage. And today on the program we have Dr Raina Ogren from the Bolton Clark Research Institute and uh, talking about older Australians, uh, women in particular on the Mornington Peninsula are living on their own. Welcome, Raina. Thank you for having me, Paula. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. So tell us a little bit about this topic. Sure. Um, well, research shows that older adults living alone have an increased risk of poor health and they also have greater difficulty with physically getting around, they've got higher rates of falls and difficulties with general activities of daily living compared to those living with others. And as Australian women get older, they're more likely than men to live by themselves. Mm. Um, and so women in particular have issues that impact on their ability to age well in place with greater risk of poverty and homelessness. Well, that's so, a, yeah, that's, that's awful. I mean, I'm one of those women living on her own um, at age 65. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I can identify with what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, unfortunately, living by yourself, um, as uh, women tend to have a little bit less support to keep independent and um, keep socially active. So this is where, um, unfortunately, services out there um, aren't uh, available to, to do much in this space. Mm. Why is that so, Raina? Why aren't there services to support women in this space? Well, I'm not quite sure about why that is. There are a lot of services out there, uh, but there are many different groups that actually need support. And, and I think we're living a lot longer than we ever have, um, and we're maintaining our independence a lot longer than we ever have. I mean, you know, it's a wonderful world we live in. We're the most educated, the most healthy, the most affluent, the most knowledgeable we've ever been in any time um, on the world uh, to date. So, I mean, there are fantastic things, but associated with that is being able to deal with the potential issues that arise as a result of needing additional supports that we never thought we would need. Well, what, one thing, just sorry, Paula, to interrupt, but one thing I heard you mention there was homelessness. Now, the yes. prospect of homelessness for an older single person mm -hmm. past retirement age must be terrifying. Yeah, and actually older women are the highest uh, uh, group uh, increasing uh, homelessness uh, in Australia. Wow, that's astounding. Mm -hmm. so, so, I mean, that's outside of what, what we're able to do, but certainly an area um, that uh, I know that many uh, groups are, are calling for support to help people uh, maintain their independence so that they don't... Uh, fall outside uh, their ability to be able to, to have a house over their head. Mm. And what age group are we looking at there, Raina? Um, in terms of homelessness, well, yeah. what we're looking at is actually people from 55 years or older in My the goodness. work that we're doing, only because we found that some people at 55 um, 
you know, whilst the, their age isn't what you would think of as old, mm-hmm. they physically um, uh, have aged faster than, than, their, than their what they call chronological age. And so these people also miss out on the support that the government provides for those that are classified as senior, which is 65 and above. And so that's a bit of a gap where some people who do need the support can't actually access them. So why are they ageing this way? Are they from a low social economic background? They've had to work manually all their lives? What's the story? What's going on? Yeah, it's a, a number of different issues. Often it's um, health issues, which could be a physical health problem. Chronic diseases are a lot more um, uh, avail- uh, prevalent. So that means things like diabetes, you know, arthritis, even, um, you know, uh, if you've had an accident, car accidents are quite common, various different things that stop you being able to be able to physically do um, the work that you normally need to do, depression, mental health, a number of other conditions that make it much more difficult for people to be able to um, uh, have active lives and be able to to basically earn the income that they need to keep a roof over their head. And so, Raina, are these, um, you know, why are women more prevalent than men? Uh, Look, you know, unfortunately, the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation had a great report that they commissioned to be done um, in 2015, and they found a complex mix of circumstances um, that served to discriminate against women, and that does um, happen because of the workforce being a lot more casual, the superannuation system penalises women who, you know, get out of the workforce because Mm. they're they're having children and they have to care for others. Family violence is another Mm. big issue and certainly um, the inequity of of income um, between the genders is as you know, in the in the media, there's been a lot of discussion about women's uh, pay being less than men's, yes. and you know, and often there's a, a trigger that leads to an unexpected event uh, where the, you know women might lose a job, they might, as I said, have have an illness or an injury, or there's a family breakdown or crisis related to divorce, or, mm-hmm. or their partner dies, or, and it's often a combination of all of these factors and and sometimes going into the short term so they, they struggle for a short period and are, and are able to overcome them. Others go on for, for a longer term. Yes. Look, I, I think I, I, from my experience, I've found that women um, seem to cope better on their own than our male counterparts uh, in in different circumstances. Yeah, in different circumstances, certainly. But, but, I mean, this is where if they have a social support network, they have the finances, they have, you know, things in place that help them stay resilient. If you've got an education, you know, um, and you don't have all of those other factors that really um, can pull you down and, and make it really hard for you to be able to do what you need to do to live the life that you want to live. So do you think that if a male was in the same situation that he would be able to cope better with that? Oh, look, it does depend on the individual with health, um, mental health or physical health problems. Yeah. You know, that, that does become much very difficult for, for both. But as I said, women tend to be um, uh, have a few more issues to prevent them from being able to support themselves financially mm-hmm. uh, because of the income inequity and also the superannuation aspect, not uh, particularly with um, someone as they um, retire, um, and also that the really strong caring roles they tend to take on um, to support their own families as opposed to 
interested in you know protecting themselves as they get older mm-hmm. so where's the reciprocity in the families then Raina? oh look you know every uh, family is different and there are great supports along the way but sometimes those supports break down and so so that's what we're trying to do with the work um, that we're doing is actually look at what do women who live by themselves need to help them maintain their independence and and support them to optimise their ability to stay well um, but actually be able to keep in their home and do what they need to do to keep active and and be able to live the lives that they wish to. So you've introduced the Bolton Clark Research Institute, of course, (laughs) which is very kind of you. Thank you for doing our job for us. And of course, but how does this work in with Uniting Victoria and Tasmania as well? So maybe explain that for us a little. Sure. Um, Look, we'd originally done, um, based on the work that the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation um, report, uh, we uh, uh, sought funding from them to look at old women living by themselves in Melbourne uh, and to look at, well, what is it that that these women need to help them maintain their independence. And and working with the women and also um, uh, uh, service support uh, people, we co-designed some strategies that they felt would help them stay independent. And so um, part of that uh, approach involved uh, someone from the Uniting Victas uh, who uh, was involved in providing volunteer support in the community. And so the next step of this work was actually to um, build on what we found with the Lord Mayor's funded work to actually then further co-design these strategies in a way um, in Mornington Peninsula because the, the funder that was very interested in this, uh, the Felton Bequest, which is managed by equity trustees, they really wanted to focus outside of Metro Melbourne and mm-hmm. Mornington Peninsula is an area that we at Bolton Clark do uh, see clients in, but also Uniting Big Taz does provide some volunteer support in that region. Mm-hmm. And so we're working together to look at um, uh, working with women who live in those, that area uh, to, help, uh, to seek their help in putting something together that will help support them to maintain their independence in, in that region. So this is a call to action then by you. You want to hear from older women living in our part of the world down here on the Mornington Peninsula to assist with you, provide some sort of a schedule, some mechanism whereby they can maintain their independence. Yeah, yeah. So what we did was um, we looked at the Australian Bureau of Statistics data and we found that more older people living in the Dramana, Rosebud and Hastings area of Mornington Peninsula and we also found that these rates have a higher number of people with lower incomes. And so those are the three areas that we're seeking women who are living by themselves, um, who are interested in, in actually working with us so that we can come up with things that would be useful for them mm-hmm. um, that, and it will meet their needs and will do what's needed over the long term. And, and how long will the study be going on for, yeah. Raina? So, yeah, so what we're going to do is work with women, but we're also wanting to work with volunteers or people who want to be volunteers to get their input, as well as people working in the support services. And um, we'll do that over the next six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And then what we want to do is pilot what we've come up with and see whether it actually does what we think, hope it does. And so overall, this project will probably be a good 18 um, months of work in the area and Uniting Big Toes will then be able to keep that going. So whilst the project itself is relatively short term, they've been, um, we're working with them so we can be sure that whatever we do is able to be kept going if we find that that it actually does do a great job and the women at 
don't want to preempt what Paul is going to say, but I think maybe we should be partnering up a little bit with yes. you here, Raina, and maybe yep. following your progress from time to time and adding not only our radio input, but also maybe our vision as well and just mm-hmm. following you around and just seeing how you do follow through on your studies and your research. Yes. I would be delighted to have a, com- a running commentary. It would be great. Yes. So, so what is the methodology then? How do you get out and how do you introduce yourself to the women living in the Dramana, the Rosebud and the Hastings areas? Apart yes, from so, uh, we've just spent the last few months uh, speaking with all of the key service providers in the region, so the Mornington Peninsula Shire, uh, looking at the Mornington Health, looking at the various smaller uh, service providers in the region who are already seeing uh, women and um, general community members and those that might need some support and literally talking to them about where we might be able to um, access women. Uh, we're looking at, um, you know, at the, the, um, the caravan parks also. We're mm-hmm. looking at supported living areas. Retirement villages is another area where you would think, you know, there's, a, um, there's people that are living together, but they're all independent. Yes. And some might, um, you know, uh, interact with others, but many actually are uh, not. And so this is another group that, that uh, we're looking at uh, engaging in. Capel Sound has a, has a great uh, facility uh, or group of um, uh, residences of about 800 people. Yes. Who are, <laughs> so, so that's, mm. I must admit, it was mind-boggling for us, but that's the kind of um, thing that we're trying to look at of where we can find people that might well um, uh, be in the community um, mm. and might need those supports and linking with those, and, and they then have uh, the ability to provide information about what we do. This radio uh, um, uh, program is a great way of getting that information out and we're, we're hoping to, to speak with the local paper mm-hmm. um, and do various um, uh, information. Uh, well, it sounds really interesting, Raina. So you have to keep us posted. Fantastic. You will indeed. Yes. Just, just quickly, how, just very quickly before we let you go, Raina, how does the process work? You call women together in some sort of a forum, you have a Q&A and you just work through a, a KPI, a checklist of some sort? Yeah, yeah. So literally um, we, we have a process where we're going to draw from, from the women what's important for them in any kind of service that they'd be interested in. And there's a list of, of things that we know um, are important and what that might look like for them. And then um, we go to then the volunteers and get their feedback and then we go to the, the, the people that provide services out there and get their feedback and then we put that all together and go back to the women and say, this is what um, you know, we've all come up with. How does this look to you? And get more feedback. And so it's this constant backwards and forwards mm-hmm. of gathering that information and putting it together so that we can make sure that what we, we do put together does um, meet their needs. And then you take that package up to Spring Street and you say, thank you very much indeed, we want some funding for this. Well, we've actually uh, got funding to, to actually test it and pilot it and, and certainly Uniting uh, Victors do have um, uh, a structure in place and, and they're, they're a service provider that already provide this kind of service out there. So certainly they'll, they'll definitely want some more support in long term, um, uh, but we do have a, a way that we should uh, be able to get this going um, if if we find it works. Mm. So there then is a call to action. So if you're an older woman living in the Dramana, Rosebud, Hastings, Capel Sound area, you want to get involved in this Bolton Clark Research Institute project, get in touch with us here at the radio station and uh, we will pass that information on to you, Raina. If not, how do they get in touch with you directly? Mm-hmm. So they can give me a call on zero four zero zero two five three four five nine, 
Uh, I do have an email. Is that going to be helpful? We can try. Yeah. So it's all lowercase r-o-g-r-i-n at boltonclark.com.au. Sweet. And if you didn't catch that, then we're more than happy to pass that information on or those that might be listening to this. And um, we have many listeners as well uh, in our podcast as well, so many people will probably come to you later on, I think, Raina. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. You're very welcome, and thank you for speaking with us today. No problem. Bye, Kevin. Bye now. This is The H Stage on RPPFM. Your host is Paula Dunn. We're going to take a bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to a, a senior citizen who's made quite an impact down here on the Mornington Peninsula. But first, our kind sponsors. And this is the age stage. Uh, you're with RPPFM. And as you may be aware, uh, the Victoria Seniors Festival is running across October. And there are a lot of things to do on the Mornington Peninsula. So uh, more of that in just a moment. But first, a chance to catch up with one of our very own elder rights campaigners, Jeanette Lane. Welcome back to RPPFM, Jeanette. Thanks very much. Jeanette, you've been around for a, a, a while here. You're no stranger to us at RPPFM, so great to have you back. And congratulations, by the way. We love the profile in the Seniors Handbook this week, celebrating mm. older Australians. Well and, done. And a wonderful profile on you and, and all power to you as well. Oh, thanks very much for that. That's very nice. So, a celebrity here on the morning. Well, she, she, is, she is. But Jeanette, you were telling me before we came on air about a super story about you and your grandson who might have got a little bit of a view of that uh, wonderful portrait of you, you as well. Tell, tell me that story. He, he, it's actually, my portrait is actually at um, Parliament Station and my grandson actually works in the city and he's a chef at a, a big restaurant in there and... Um, he gets off every morning at Parliament Station ah. and he hopped off the tra train <laughs> to see my photo there. I buy a big picture up. Big so he sent me a note. He said, Grandma, do you realise how old I am? I'm 27. I got off the train and you're sitting there. I do know where to get off the train, Grandma, <laughs> and I do know what to do. So just so to let you know, I'm coping okay, Grandma. Nice to see your photo, though, Grandma. Good luck. <laughs> oh, how gorgeous. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, well, Jeanette, you're a bit of a legend. Now, of course, your work down here on the Mornington Peninsula, you work very closely with the Shire. You work very closely with PACE. Tell us a little bit about all that work that you do. Yes, I work with PACE. I've been on the PACE committee for the last 14 years. And I've been um, chair of that committee a couple of times, and not just recently. And what does PACE stand for? And PACE Jeanette. is a Peninsula Advisory Committee for Elders. Oh, good. And um, we're involved in lots of things on the Morning Peninsula, without a doubt, and um, and have done you know quite a lot of work really um, enhancing things across the Peninsula here and um, and ensuring actually that um, older people. Uh, are treated fair and equitable and everybody gets all the things that they're looking for as well. And do you think that's happening, Jeanette? It's happening. Yeah, do you think well, people are... I think the thing being... is that we're running lots of programs and, like, for example, um, we're just currently going to be running a program in the next uh, week, actually, on the um, 16th of October. And it's just a matter of getting the message out and we're getting a message out this time on Legal Matters and Ageing Forum. Mm -hmm. And it's to take take the chance to ask the experts about some of the most common legal issues affecting older people. And those issues are, of course, medical decisions, making law and recent changes, retirement villages, aged care, 
wills and elder abuse, of course, which is elder abuse, sadly to say, is rife. Mm. Yes, you, well, this has been one of your great concerns, hasn't it? Elder abuse for, it has, for a number of years. A doubt. We'll go back and we'll promote that more in just a moment. Um, and it's also very interesting to note that um, indeed uh, this week up in Sydney, Every Age Counts is a big initiative that's just about to be announced by um, some of our age stage friends. In fact, Dr. Kay Patterson will be one of the keynote speakers, which is basically to try and do away with ageism in the Australian community and society. Oh, that's been great. Um, but elder abuse, this is something that uh, has really bothered you for a long time, isn't it? It has. We've run a lot of programs on the Morning Peninsula on elder abuse, and we're running another one actually, of course, on the 16th of October. And Gary Ferguson, actually from Seniors, Rights in Victoria is coming down to conduct that program for us. And as well as having Gary coming down to do that, we're also going to have um, Russell Kennedy lawyers speaking and uh, Seniors Rights Victoria with Gary and William Betts from the Peninsula Community Legal Centre. We're going to have a Q&A session and we'll be having a lovely morning tea and um, it's down there at the Safety Beach Yacht Club actually and starting at 10.30 on the 16th in the morning till 1pm. Uh, but if people who are interested in going to that program, we need to have your information. So if you could telephone 9783-3600, that would be fantastic so that you get your details, etc. So the phone number is 9783-3600. And so how does that um, appear to you, um, elder abuse, Jeanette? You know, how, how, how is it showing itself? How is it showing mm. itself? Well, give me, I'll give you an example. It's yep. just recently um, we were having doing Weed Day, which is World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, and we were handing out the ribbons, etc. actually down at the plaza at um, Mornington at uh, Rosebud. And uh, this uh, guy who I know quite well in our progress club came and asked me for information, and I gave it to him. And then he rang me the next day and asked me, could he have some information and... Um, and what happened actually is, is a, a lady actually um, had built up, bought a house down in Rodonga and, and lo and behold, um, what's happened actually was that she found out the house was no longer in her name, it was in three names. Oh, and dear. so consequently then she had to get in touch with seniors' rights and they're trying to fix the situation up for her. So it had been mortgaged and she hadn't... It actually is. We're not quite sure what happened mm. actually, but it was in three names, yeah. Wow. So that's being fixed up at the moment. But the sadness is what happens is it's, um, how can I say nicely? <laughs> so, say, it's, the sadness is what happens. It's um, families that think because mum has a bit of money that they, they're entitled to that money. Mm. Mm. Yes. And there's another case recently where her husband and wife went into a nursing home and they were in room two and three. And, and what happened from there actually is apparently a member of the family moved mother to room number 59. And so it's pretty, pretty mm. sad and pretty big yes. stuff, actually. And it's, and it's a tragic world of things that you would go and do that to your parents or yes. your mother and so forth. Yes. I, I remember you telling me a year or so ago about a terrible case as well where an elderly gentleman was sort of consigned to a sort of shed out the back of the family home. He was basically moved out. Yes, and that's why I got involved in this. Was that, was that the case that really got you involved in the first place, was it? Yes. So the, it was mm. pretty, pretty desperate, I just couldn't it? believe it, yeah. So he'd been moved out of the family home. He was living in a shed out the back. It had no flooring on it. It was just a turf floor, wasn't it? Yeah. Why would why would a family do that? Like, what, you know, what money lovers, the money they want, yeah, some money and all of these things. And I think that, you know, it, it makes you wonder it's, it's, it's what goes on in life and how 
Mm. And just because somebody gets older, it's, you know, it's just very sad indeed. It is very sad. Yes. Yeah. So you're all about empowering the older voice and allowing people to step up and say, you know what, this is wrong, you've got to do something about this. Are people getting the message that they can, they do yes. have rights? Yeah, they are. They're getting the message now, which is great. And some of the good things that's happened, like I don't know whether you know this or not, but Jared Mansell, when... Um, we had the minister before she died, actually. She made um, Jared Mansell the um, person for, um, you know, for, for these kind of things, actually, to deal with Jared Mansell as a commissioner for, for all these things. And um, uh, a lot has been done with Jared, what he's doing and so forth. And, um, and a lot, you know, a lot has been achieved, and, which is fantastic. But, of course, it's getting the message out to everybody so that they understand, you know, mm. there's... Because yeah. an elderly, frailer person, I suppose, is not wanting to assert themselves that That's much. That's exactly and, right. They're and, frightened. And the cultural expectation is that they're a little bit quiet and they help out and their mum and dad are there to give them a bit mm. of a hand. Yes. But really, they have their own fundamental rights and an expect, and they should be having an expectation about how they want to serve out and live out their, their yeah, last of course. years, surely. That's right. Yeah. You'd hope so. Yeah. I think addiction would play a big part too these da- in this day and age. Do you think so, Jeanette? Medical, yes, addic- so. medical yeah. addictions yeah. of the Ad- children. Addiction of the children, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the need for money. And, the need for uh, the money. Yeah, that's right, to yeah. feed the addiction. Yeah. The need for the money and they, th- they see that, you know, it's... Um, and then you get the opposites of people you see of in... Not all like it. Or not, not all the children are like this. No, of course you not. You just get yeah. particular children that yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it just makes you wonder, you know, why on earth... Well, the you know. role of the siblings in this as well. That's and I right. mean, just families, you just, you, it's very difficult, of course, mm. to understand them. And again, I come back to the overseas model about extended families mm. and the responsibilities that kids feel about their parents and their grandparents... That's and right. how they secure and look after them into their old age because they're revered. Mm. Whereas yeah. our yeah. Western society is much more materialistic, seems to want to dispose of them, put them away. They're a bit of an issue. Mum mm. sort of lost the marbles. And mm. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And in all the country, when you get, look at the map of the world and you see, um, if you go in the map of the look at, look at go into the, you know, the, into the computer and look up um, elder abuse, and up will come a map of the world and it's coloured. Mauve colour where they have they have elder abuse. Mm-hmm. But in countries actually where you've got, you know, people with different coloured skin, there's none. Because mm. yes. they're brought up to respect to their be revered, yes, and to look after, yes, yeah. that they have and the wisdom and, uh, and yeah, the knowledge. And, and so it's a sort of an yeah. Anglo-European thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. Incredible. So you've got a couple of things going on then, um, Jeanette, um, that we should be aware of down here on the Mornington Peninsula. What about more national programs and stuff like that? Are you, you doing anything nationally with the federal government or anything like that? Or are you prim- primarily these days looking around your local local the, area? Well, at the moment, actually, um, there's things going on with um, the state government. Um, but what's happening for, um, for, for Seniors Week, for yep. the Seniors Time, actually, and uh, you'll see all these, the photo, not perhaps me, but there's photos of all the people that they've picked out, all the names yes. and so forth will be highlighted across the um, Melbourne for Seniors Week and uh, all the different things that are going to be on, the activities, etc., that are going to be on and the physical activities and events that um, people can attend and go to. 
So uh, go to our libraries as well if you're interested in getting a handle on what is happening up and down the Monty Peninsula. The mm. libraries have usually got a yes. pretty good entree yes, into that got as a well, great, yes. haven't they? And Youth yeah. 3A doing a lot as well. Um, Youth 3A is doing a lot, yes. Camp Mung Young. Um, and, and as well, you and your special seminars and get-togethers as well, discussing some of the, the more troubling right. aspects of, of, of elder abuse and so on. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then what they're also is, um, what we're also trying to do at the moment is um, uh, to help make people aware of the issues and where they go to get help if they're affected. And uh, we believe that there has been an increase in reporting elder abuse in the community here, without a doubt, as a, as a result of all the work that we've done, actually, with PACE and, and the rest of us, actually, and so, which is great, actually, which is great. And getting that message out, which is, you know, getting the message out so that people are aware. That's the main thing, really. Yes. So, so if somebody was listening to this and they thought that they were being victimised in some way, yes. there is a mechanism whereby they can get some protection or at least a sounding board to go and discuss their issues with somebody. It's yes, readily it available. Be. Yes, there is. Yeah. They get in touch with the Shire, with you. How do they... What, well, they, they, get in, they get in touch with seniors' rights. And that's where they... Seniors' rights are there to help them, yes. And then seniors' rights would, what, organise a council of some sort to come they, out? They get people to come out and see them or they take, or they go in to see them in, in the city, yeah. And this would be a discreet meeting in the first instance, particularly exactly. if somebody was feeling a bit yeah. put upon and yes. being pushed into a position where they didn't necessarily want to be that's but right. thought that they were being abused. That's right, yes. Okay. okay. Are there any phone numbers that we can give our listeners the to seniors call? seniors' rights. I haven't got their phone number on okay. me, I'm afraid, at yeah. the moment. Well, we can look that up. Yeah, and we can. We can and they can, if they want to phone us we'll yep. pass on that information yeah. to them yeah well Jeanette yes. once again fantastic catching up with you congratulations again on all this uh, work you do and once again um, a couple of numbers perhaps you did we did we have that number that you, we needed to ring in case we wanted to get involved in one of these sessions the nine seven eight three yes. three six double zero that's the yeah. one yep. nine seven six double three nine seven eight three yes three six double zero excellent <laughs> You see, I can't even read my own handwriting <laughs> these days, Jeanette. How's that? That happens, yeah. <laughs> it happens. Embrace it, yes. Yeah. It <laughs> happens without a doubt, yes. Wonderful. All the little hiccups that happen, isn't it? <laughs> well, thank you, Jeanette, for coming okay. to visit us today. It's and um, we hope it all goes well with Seniors Month. It's Seniors yeah, it Month, do, isn't it? Yes, yes yeah. Yes, and um, I'm sure you'll be very way. yes. I'm uh, sure you'll be very busy. And, and just before you go, Jeanette, I mean, in this piece in the Seniors Magazine, you described as advocate, gardener, and confidant. Which of those do you like the best? <laughs> That's quite sure. Hey? That's the headline. <laughs> advocate, uh, gardener, confidant. Advocate, confidant. Survivor. That's Survivor. I guess you could do all three at once, couldn't you? You could be, you could be yeah. in the garden and, and gardener. I like gardening the best. Actually. Yes. Yeah. I love gardening. I do mm. a lot of gardening. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. I think it's great. It is. A, I'm always a, changing the garden around. Yes. <laughs> it's a wonderful pastime. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. Jeanette Lane, thank you very much indeed for thank coming you, by and uh, okay. keep up the good work and all power to you and your crew. Hey. That's okay. Thanks. Thank you, Jeanette. Thanks very much. Jeanette Lane, thank you very much indeed. And Jeanette's certainly an absolute uh, doyen as far as um, elder abuse is concerned in this part of the world and her contribution to PACE and what is going on in our part of the world down here mm. on the Mornington Peninsula is absolutely fantastic. And Jeanette, thank you so much indeed for joining us again today. Age Age, of course, I'm just about to wrap up, brought to you by Aftercare Australasia. 
Um, but before we go, it is Victorian Seniors Festival Month and uh, a number of events have kicked off already, Paula. Yes, they? they have, absolutely. And so some of the events that are happening on the peninsula include Camp Munyang, um, Getting Active Expo and Greek Perea Lunch, Hastings U3A, and the library, there's lots of events happening down there. And the library as well is a good starting place for you as well. If you are interested in just pursuing and wanting to know what's on, do go to your local libraries Absolutely. because they'll be, basically be the gateway to many of these events over the next month or so. Definitely. So lots happening. So grab a program of events from your local Shire office, your library, your leisure centre and many other locations across the peninsula or download the program as well. Just uh, Google and uh, take a look. But there's a lot happening across this month. Certainly is. And you're on RPPFM and you've been listening to The Age Stage, made possible by Aftercare Australasia. And we'd like to thank our guest today, Warren Haynes from Aftercare Australasia and Dr Raina Ogren and Jeanette Lane. Brendan, thank you. Well, thank you very much indeed, Paula. Yes, it's been very, very interesting. And again, you know, some of those harrowing tales that yes. uh, we've discuss with both Warren and also Jeanette uh, yeah. really brings it home doesn't it some it of the does. issues confronting some of our older Australians absolutely um, next week yep. you've got us super as well you've got us uh, lined up because every age counts the big campaign a national launch of that we're going to be trying to get on to our regular age stage friends uh, Robert Tickner and of course Dr Kay Patterson mm, that'll been. be really interesting she's been a guest on the program yeah. in the past yes she has so thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next week see you then